Welcome back to Historical Fantasy. I'm Guinevere Lee. You are about to hear Chapter 3 of Lita and the Samurai. If you haven't already, please go back and listen to Chapter 1 and 2 before you continue. Lita and the Samurai by Guinevere Lee, as read by the author. Chapter 3, Hirose River. There was a time during her youth when Lita's only hobby was hiding. If she wasn't squirreled away in the closet at home, she was hanging out in between the shelves of the library after school. She was often found keeping her head down and sitting in the corner of the classroom during free time, reading while everyone else was playing. If there was one thing she could do better than anyone else she knew, it was hide and go unnoticed. It wasn't until grade four or five, when her elementary school had their first track meet, that she discovered the only other thing she was naturally gifted at running. She never would have gone to a track meeting, but everyone in the school was required to sign up for three events. So at a loss, she just signed up for the first three on the list, the 100 meter, 400 meter, and the relay race. Standing on that starting line, looking at the bright pink ribbon the teachers had tied to mark the finish, she suddenly decided she was going to try. Just for once, she wanted something more than to just disappear into the crowd. She won the 100 meter and 400 meter, and might have won the relay, but one of her teammates had tripped and fallen. Her teacher, Mrs. Sayar, asked her afterwards if she liked to run. When she meekly shook her head, Mrs. Sayar asked how she managed to run so fast, but Lita couldn't tell her the truth. All she had to do was imagine her father standing on the starting line. Suddenly, running was the easiest thing in the world. She never joined the track team, or entered in any races besides those held on the school grounds. Permission slips sent home with her would remain unsigned and crumpled in the bottom of her bag. She already knew there would be no chance of her father signing any of them, or approve of her joining the sport. Eventually, Mrs. Sayar stopped encouraging her, assuming she was just another lazy student. Neither Mrs. Sayar nor her father ever knew how she would go down to the empty track on weekends and run laps, imagining herself finishing an Olympic race in first place. She would daydream that a passing talent scout would see her by chance and be so impressed he would sponsor her career and save her. Of course it never happened. When she finally left home, there was no time to spend pretending she was an athlete or focusing on anything beyond getting her grades up and saving every nickel she earned at her crappy part-time job. Running, like most of the things she had loved as a child, had faded away from her life. Until now. She heard the angry yell come a second after she took off through the woods. Her wrists were still bound. There was still no time to try and untie them. Even if they were untied, though, she still wouldn't be able to run at full tilt. Not with the uneven ground and having to thread through all the trees. It was darker in the woods than she had been expecting. The sun was only just breaking over the horizon, and she stumbled through the woods, blind and bound. She felt her shoulders knock against trunks she hadn't noticed and felt too many branches slap against her face and neck to count. But still she ran as fast as the terrain would allow her. Years had passed since the last time she had really run. By the time there was enough light to finally make out all the trees and avoid running into any more of them, her breath was ragged and panting. Her lungs struggled to support her efforts. She had a moment to wonder how long she must have been running for when she felt herself trip over a root and fall face first into the ground. She lay motionless for a moment, feeling the pain wash over her body. All the stings and aches she had managed to ignore crippling her. She choked back a sob, 
painfully pushing herself up. She had a head start, and those men would all be groggy and hungover, but she would bet they knew these woods better than she did, and some of them might even be able to follow her tracks through the woods the brighter the day became. Lita crawled over to some trees that were huddled thicker together. She felt it would be suicide to stay and hide anywhere in the woods. She needed to get out of them and find help, but she needed to take care of the coarse ropes around her wrists first. Her hands felt around the decaying leaves of the floor, looking for a rock or a sharp stick, conscious of the noise she was making, worried that at least one of those men might be in earshot. Her fingers felt a rock and she brushed the leaves away. It was too big to pick up, the bulk of it buried underneath the earth, but some parts of it were jagged and she began to rub the ropes around her wrists on it furiously. For the first little while there was no change, but slowly the strands of the rope began to fray. A twig snapped. She went still, holding her breath, her eyes looking around uncertainly. She was crouched down low in the middle of a thicket of trees. No one would see her unless they were looking very carefully, but those men would be looking carefully, wouldn't they? She couldn't see anyone, or anything for that matter. Maybe it had been an animal. Still she waited, feeling the sweat run down the sides of her face. Finally satisfied she was alone, she went back to her work. She was halfway through the rope, the forest getting ever greener around her, when she heard noises again. There was no mistaking it this time, footsteps, and two men talking in hushed voices. One of them sounded like he was complaining, and the other one said something abrupt, angry. Through the trees she could just make out two forms coming out of the woods to her right, walking in her general direction. Her heart pounded against her chest, like someone was repeatedly punching her. It was a familiar sensation. It took her back to those moments when she would hide in the closet. The first few minutes were always the worst. The fear would threaten to pull her apart, feeling like any second the door would swing open and her father would be there to grab her by the hair and drag her out. They won't see me. She squeezed her eyes shut, frightened of even crouching lower, in case they saw the movement, and prayed the light wouldn't catch a bright red yucata against the dark green forest background. If they looked in her direction, they would see her. They won't see me. Her heart refused to slow down. Her nails dug into the palms of her hands, her knuckles completely white. Her teeth gritted together so hard her jaw hurt. They won't see me. Her mind screamed so loud she thought they must have heard, and for a moment they turned their heads. She closed her eyes, feeling like a child, pulling their blanket over their head. I can't see them, they can't see me, I can't see them, they can't see me. Their footsteps continued, getting louder and closer, and then... They went by her, and kept going. She could no longer make them out. She didn't move, didn't open her eyes. She stayed completely still, listening to the sounds of birds, feeling her muscles begin to cramp, still not convinced they were really gone. She finally moved again, not because she felt safe, but because the pain in her body was becoming too much and she needed to stretch. She opened her eyes and was alone. However long she had kept her eyes closed, it was long enough for the forest to come alive with color. She could have been hiding for hours or just a handful of minutes. She honestly couldn't be sure. She went back to rubbing her bonds against the rock. Having got past the halfway point, the rest of it went relatively fast. As she put tension on the rope, pulling her wrists apart, the fibers tore and snapped, and suddenly she was free. The ropes had burrowed nasty red marks into her skin, and she rubbed the numb area to get feeling back again. She looked around the trees, warier now about moving through the woods. Her lead was completely lost. Those men could be behind and in front of her, and she had no idea how many there were or how long they would look. 
She was vaguely aware of the fact that she was dehydrated, and the headache she felt would only get worse if she didn't get water. When did she last take a drink of water? How long could the body last? She just wanted to stay and hide, but she knew she absolutely couldn't. Cautiously, she got to her feet, realizing her legs were shaking and took a tentative step. Nothing changed. No hidden men jumped out and grabbed her. She was alone, for now at least. She looked around, trying to figure out what direction she needed to go in, completely unable to remember which direction she had even come from. She had no idea which way was north, since she couldn't see the sun through the treetops, and none of them looked sturdy enough to climb, not even to mention the fact that if she climbed a tree and one of the men found her, she'd be trapped. Her situation nearly overwhelmed her then. She wanted to sit down and cry over how insane all of this was, but a purring sound stopped her thoughts. She looked around for the source of the noise and saw a little cat rubbing against the torn hem of her yukata. The cat, white with black cow spots highlighted with calico, looked at her and held her gaze. The cat's face was intense, noticing one black spot over his eye like an eye patch. The cat's grim expression reminded her of a samurai statue she had seen in Sendai of Date Masamune, the warlord who founded the city nearly 400 years ago. She couldn't help but smile down at the little thing. Where should I go, Datenyan? The cat nodded its head to the left. Lita thought it was just a coincidence. But then the cat did it again. Her jaw went slack and she stared in disbelief. She couldn't decide if this was more or less insane than being kidnapped by parade volunteers in a forest. The cat didn't wait for a response. He began to trot away to the left. It stopped once and looked back at Lita as if to ask, Are you coming? Since she didn't know what way to go anyway, she began to follow the cat. At first she kept low, continuously looking around. The farther she went, the faster she started to move, feeling more and more confident, thinking that maybe, just maybe, this cat was leading her to safety. She slowed down a little and the cat went on ahead. For the first time since her daring escape, she started wondering again why those men were in the forest. Why they had tied her up. None of it made sense. They were like a band of roving bandits straight out of the Edo period. Cosplayers gone bad. Maybe it was the stress, but the thought made her laugh. Maybe they were LARPers who had just gotten out of hand. She wondered if there had ever been a case like that before. It seemed a little too ridiculous, but no other explanation presented itself just then. She lost sight of the cat. Lita almost started wondering where the forest had come from. But all of her thoughts suddenly came to an excruciating halt as she pushed some branches aside to walk through and was suddenly facing a young, unkept man wearing a ratty yukata, looking at her with wide-eyed surprise. She only had a moment to wonder if he was one of the same group of men when she noticed the bow he was holding in his left hand, and how his right arm was suddenly reaching to the quiver slung to his back. She turned and ran, and with an angry yell the men started after her. She didn't look back to see if she was losing him. She didn't want to turn around only to see that he was within arm's length. Just run, just run, just run. She had been running her entire life. Why should now be any different? Something caught hold of her yukata. She was jerked backwards and knew the man had her. She swung her arms out behind herself and felt her elbows connect with the bandit's face. He screamed. They both lost their footing, and suddenly Lita felt herself falling down a steep slope. He lost hold of her as the two rolled down the hill. Rocks and branches mercilessly hit her as she tumbled. She felt herself slow, 
and bang hard into a tree. The wind was knocked out of her. She gasped and struggled to get up. She had lost sight of the bandit, but knew he couldn't be far. She got to her feet and continued to run. The woods seemed to change. They were brighter, yes, because the trees here weren't as thick. There was more space to move. She didn't have to weave around as many trunks. Her speed picked up. She suddenly realized she was at the edge of the woods. The light seemed thicker here. She thought she could feel it on her face. She could hear the sound of running water ahead of her. She emerged from the woods and it felt like taking a deep breath of air. The sun was so bright she had to shield her eyes for a moment. She took a step and stumbled onto wet grass. She heard the river. As her eyes adjusted, she saw the wide, familiar river bank. The white river curved along the ground like a great serpent. She could make out green hills and mountains behind her, and farmland before her. In the middle of the river were tiny hills of pebbles pierced by small trees. In an instant, she knew it was the Hirose River that ran through Sendai City. But... Lita turned around, looking at the tall trees and bamboo. Walking backwards, feeling truly afraid for the first time. It couldn't be the Hirose River. Because Sendai had to be there. Where was Sendai? For a horrifying moment, she felt like she couldn't breathe. Her head was swimming, and then she caught movement in the woods. A shadow coming back towards her. A bandit. He yelled something at her, and she turned around. She slipped on the wet grass, falling hard on her face but she was up again in an instant, making her way towards the river. She saw a man on the other shore. He wore a conical straw hat and a dark blue yukata. In his hands he held a fishing pole, and was so focused on the river he wasn't looking at her. Help! Taskete! She screamed, wading into the shallow water. Her feet sank into the loose riverbed, slowing her down. Help! She screamed again, as she felt something hit her arm. He's thrown a rock, she thought, stumbling again and falling into the water. She reached out to stop her fall and saw the arrow sticking out of her left arm. She screamed and could hear splashing in the water behind her. No, not behind her. She looked up and saw the fisherman running towards her. Run, she thought, run. He has a bow and arrows. But she couldn't stop screaming. She wasn't screaming because she was being chased. She wasn't screaming because of the pain in her arm. She was screaming because the city was gone. She was screaming because she finally understood not where, but when she was. The two men reached her almost at the same time. The fisherman getting there a second before the hungover bandit did. Lita finally managed to catch her breath and stop screaming. She managed to stand up, her legs shaking badly, and the fisherman grabbed her, shoving her behind him. She grabbed onto the sleeve of his soft cotton yukata for support. Get out of the way, the bandit barked, brandishing a crooked knife. Soft laughter came from the fisherman. <sighs> no, I don't think I will. The fisherman lifted his head to smile at the bandit, his face confident and easy. He looked like he wasn't much older than Lita, and he grinned. His hand moved to rest on the hilt of the katana in his obi. A katana, she felt dizzy. You'll regret picking a fight with us. The young bandit spoke with about as much authority as a confused high schooler. He was certainly young enough to be a high schooler. You should look around. You're alone. He tilted his katana slightly. His knees began to bend as he took up a defensive position. The bandit looked around, wide-eyed. If he'd had any friends with him, they had either been lost during the chase or had chosen to stay hidden within the forest. 
the boy was alone, and the fear that flashed in his eyes was that realization. I think you will turn around and run back to your motherless cowards. She'll come with me. The boy was shaken, seeming to forget the knife in his hand. He took a step backwards, and then another. Mercy! He whimpered, then turned and ran. Thanks for listening. I will be back tomorrow with Chapter 4. For a complete list of all the chapters and when they'll be available, please go to GuinevereLee.com. Until tomorrow, stay healthy, everyone.